Welcome back. Episode six of Night Shift. Kyle Gamard and Mike Stubbs, your host. You can follow along at Stubbs980 on socials at Kyle Grimard, G-R-I-M-A-R-D. And, you know, Mike, we talked about this on last episode heading into the weekend. Something about playing the Saginaw spirit can help right the ship for the London Knights. And what do they do? They sweep the home and home with the spirits. They get a couple of wins. They get some momentum to build off of. A couple of milestones we'll touch on as well. And this is, that's about as good of a feeling as you can have out of a weekend. You know what? This was a pretty excited team after the home and home win coming back on Saturday. And rightly so. And they deserve it. I mean, the London Knights have built such a reputation of you are competitive year after year that when a season starts off with three losses, people look around and say, hey, what's going on? This is this is not usually what happens in London. But when you look at this roster and I I still see it, you see such talent on it and you look at the coaching staff and you see a lot of talent a lot of the talent is young so you know the knights still have a number of years ahead of them where i think they'll be an even better team when these guys grow and mature but at the same time this is a club that is going to win games and they broke out scoring wise over this weekend 11 goals in two games against the Saginaw Spirit and the Spirit as we discussed going into this are a team that likes to trade chances but at the same time you've got to bury those chances and the Knights did just that and they came back from a 2-0 deficit on Friday this was an opportunity and you're right, Kyle, you go back in the playoffs and you can go back and listen to episode five and what we were discussing in some of those playoff moments. But there are three playoff series that the Knights have met the Saginaw spirit. And you could look at each of them and say they found themselves and found a new level and found what they could do in those series and then went on to either win a championship in two cases or get to that 2009 Western Conference Championship Series with Windsor where every game went to overtime and either team could have won them. Windsor ended up winning the series. Windsor ended up winning the Memorial Cup that year. So this was just an opportunity to find themselves. And we still haven't seen Isaiah George yet. He's still out with an injury. And so this uh, this at least is is something to feel good about if you're a London Knights fan heading into a week that we'll see them face Niagara, the North Bay Battalion, and the Sudbury Wolves. Yeah, it's, and, and those are going to be three big games too. And, j- and just looking at the standings right now, London's currently in eighth place, but all the teams ahead of them have played at least one more game, if not two more games than the London Knights. So the London Knights have a chance to crawl right back into the middle of the pack with everybody if they can you know, scrape together a couple of victories. And you know what's nice, Mike, is a lot of the big boys came to play. A lot of their big-name players – Max McHugh was the huge impact player on Friday night against the Spirit. He opened the scoring for them to get them back in it to cut the lead to two to one. He had a fight in the game. We thought he had a Gordy Howe hat trick, but eventually due to a scoring change, the assist got taken away. But his presence was felt throughout it. George Diaco had a spectacular weekend for the London Knights. He continues to lead the team offensively. He had two goals and an assist on in Saturday in the seven, four win in the, uh, the second half of the home and home. And, you know, it was not a crazy amount of shots on Friday night for Brett Brochu, but we talked about this on after the buzzer, our post game show. And mentally, after he gave up the two, 
he buckled right down and made sure that he was not giving up another, allowed London to come back into the game, take the lead, and hang on for the win. Max McHugh actually talked about the time at the end of the first period into the second period on Friday night in the dressing room. Here's what was going on in the dressing room. I think it was just our mindset in the dressing room. Um, You know, guys were stepping up in the room and um, we just had some stuff to say. And um, it was really just like, let's let's wake up here. And uh, I think the main thing was help out Broche. He's had a heavy workload and um, just try and limit their scoring chances and try and work the puck in uh, their, their D zone. You're a guy who will come out, you'll play physical, you can do stuff around the net and scoring. Take us through whether it was a hit or whether it was the the goal that you think, you know, kind of got things going. Yeah, I think it's just a little bit of physicality. Um, You know, uh, I think whenever you can lay, you know, a big hit or, you know, get the guys going with uh, like a little rub out or whatever, then um, that gets everyone kind of into the game and um, everyone else gets, you know, excited on the bench. And then obviously, you know, if you can get a goal for your team, then uh, the crowd gets a little more into it. And um, it was a good atmosphere last night. Sam Dickinson takes that shot. Save is made. Where does the puck go in front of you? Just sitting right there. The, the D-man kind of, I don't know what happened. It looked kind of like um, I ran into him and it kind of looked like he got hurt or something. And he was kind of just laying on the ice and the puck kind of just sat there for me. And I was like, okay, there's no, no easier way to get your first of the year than that one. What's that sound like when that goes in? Loud. Really loud. It sounds like 9,000 fans screaming. The bench is screaming. Uh, all five of us in the corner are all screaming. And, um, you know, goals have been a little tough to come by for our team. So, um, you know, to put up four against a really good team is uh, we're, we're really happy with that. That's Max McHugh. And, Kyle, that's the moment maybe that you're looking for where a team is going to say, all right, who are we? Who are we? We are a team that has more talent than what we're showing on the ice. Things need to be going differently. They had outshot Saginaw in the first period, and then it was just guys getting up and being accountable. And if you look at good teams, that's such a good sign. You don't want to go and be quiet in your stall and, oh, here we go again. You want to say, no, I'm going to be the change. I'm going to get something done here. And Max went out and had that second period that you're talking about with a goal. And for a while, he had an assist on the board and and a fight, a Gordie Howe hat trick. And that sparked the Knights. And they carried that momentum right into Saturday. And they got a big early jump on the Saginaw spirit, thanks to George Diaco. But all of those chances that they were creating early that weren't going in have now started to go in. And one of the most important goals I think from Saturday night was Denver Barkey and Easton Cowan in this give and go where Denver Barkey feeds a cross ice pass to Easton Cowan and goes to the net. And then Cowan finds him through about two sticks and a pair of legs. And there's Barkey to just tap it in at the side of the net. And those two having chemistry together, I think we're going to see them do some really dynamic things, but that was a really important goal as was Logan Mayhew's first of the year. Yeah, you know, Logan Mayo on top of everyone else. Funny enough, also a given goal play uh, to 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 get him his first as a as a uh, for the I guess of the season. I guess not as a knight, but you know, it, it's nice to get that monkey off the back. And you know, Logan Mayo this season, uh, goalness. He's got a couple points through three games. But Mike, you and I talked about this, and then you and Jim talked about this on the broadcast as well. Is it's not just Logan Mayo's presence offensively there was a stretch on Friday night's game where it was about a three minute stretch or of the final three minutes of the third period he was a dominant 
physical shot blocking presence that it was really welcome to the London Knights back end. And he continued that on Saturday. And these are things as much as you can say, all right, what is it? What's wrong with the team? And those were questions that Knights fans were asking early in the year. You never want to make injuries uh, a reason, but they are a factor. And when you look at having Logan Mayhew and Isaiah George not in your lineup, you're looking at two NHL draft picks, two excellent players. It's going to have an impact, not just defensively, but offensively. The Knights have a lot of depth on defense. A lot of those players are still learning. We mentioned Oliver Bonk after playing in Hamilton. In a great the Knights played with. Yeah, the Knights played with five defensemen that game, and he was kind of shaking his head afterwards saying, I don't think I played that much in a game in Junior B last year. And he played well, but you add in Logan Mayo in this case with Isaiah George still to come at some point when he finishes rehabbing, and it just gives that extra presence, that extra experience that those players have playing, and their skill levels are very high. And that will help you in transition. There was a time when Saginaw was bringing the puck up the ice on Saturday night. Logan Mayu stood up the forward at the blue line, took the puck away, and had it going back the other way for a scoring chance. Those sorts of things then are injected into your game, and it makes that much of a difference in junior. It's very Evan Bouchard-like, for just from what I get, in terms of the ability to just stand up at the blue line, take the puck away from the forward and then transition it back within a two to three second span and immediately have a scoring chance. I just, I remember he would take the puck from the blue, go up the ice and he'd either score or get a really good shot on net because he had an NHL shot. And that's very similar. I think to Logan may where he has that NHL shot. He can hammer a puck, but now he's starting to get a, a sense of, of where to stop guys at the blue line, where to take the puck, whether he passes an outlet pass to his, to, to one of the forwards or he takes it himself. And that is, that is really fantastic. And, you know, some of the forwards are really starting to, you know, kind of break out and, and show that chemistry and really get their, their legs going. One of them is of course, first round selection, Luca Testa, who scored his first goal in the Ontario Hockey League, and his reaction was electric. This happened on Friday night. He was uh, incredibly pumped, and and Mike, you you love seeing that when a high overall pick to an organization like the London Knights gets that goal, and you just see the weight off, and now he can just go and play. And we have to realize that, and this is a really unique part of making the jump into major junior hockey. All of the forwards have scored so easily in U16, U15 for their entire lives. In fact, we talked with Luca after the game and we asked him to remember back to his very first goal, not just in in the OHL, not in U16, the very first goal he scored. And this is what he remembered. All I know is I was playing uh, single A and, and Grimsby two years up and and I think I scored from the blue line. I tripped over the blue line, and, and the puck just rolled in. And it was, uh, I mean, it, it got the career started, I guess. So it's uh, it was a good feeling. And, and to score one last night in the OHL, is it's a dream come true. And 
and I was happy my family was there to, you know, see it. So see, you have Luca Testa, who was just born to score. It was going to go in, but that's how easily these players have scored. Then you jump into a league where everybody's older than you are, but in Luca's case, he's a first round pick. And he's got that pressure on himself to say, all right, I'm I'm looking around the league and I'm seeing this guy who was taken in the first round with me and he's scored a goal. Oh, look, this guy scored a goal. And that can really mount. Max Jones was somebody who went forever and didn't score his first goal. He finally did against Sault Ste. Marie and he looked up at the ceiling and just that whole load off your back. Exactly what you said. Luke Evangelista is the famous story in That's London now. Because he went the entire year as a 16-year-old and didn't score. And then he ends his OHL career with more goals than anybody in his final season. So it is going to come. But for you know, for teenagers, you want things now. The, the patience is not there. And you want to make sure that you're doing the things that all of your peers are doing. So it can be a really tough slog mentally. And for Luca Testa to get that... Ah, the relief was there, and he just seemed to even play more relaxed on Saturday night. So, Luca Testa is putting up some points early, and he's not a guy who's counted on to put up a whole lot of points. This is a learning year for Luca Testa. Yeah, I mean, just goes to show people will be like, oh, like he got his first goal. That's probably his first. No, he's got three points this year in five games, playing in a in a more limited role, maybe you know, playing and just trying to get his feet under him, and he's been producing for this team and. And, you know, speaking of of production and, and guys who are former draft picks and current draft picks of this team, Sam O'Reilly will be a name that you remember as well. He was the second round selection back in 2022, right after uh, Luca Testa. He is off, Mike, to a unbelievable start in the GOJHL. Listen to this for a second. 16 years of age, he has 12 goals and 25 points in 14 games, Mike. Yeah, that's a lot. When you're 16, and again, you're jumping into a league where everybody's older than you are. You've got 20-year-olds skating around. You've got 19-year-olds skating around. And the Nationals have a pretty veteran roster. And for him to be earning this spot, for him to be earning the minutes to score those points, that says something right there. The Nationals have David Matzos as their head coach, and he's a guy that is known as a really good coach, and he's helped Sam O'Reilly along. The Nats right now are off to a just a torrid start. I think they have two losses, one in regulation through <laughs> their first 14 games. So that's pretty impressive. And Sam O'Reilly is doing this consistently. This is not, oh, one day I got five points in a game and another day I got four points in a game. He's on a 10-game point scoring streak right now. It's it's remarkable. And just in the last four games alone, I think he has 10 points in that span, which is it's just it's another guy at some point will eventually come up into the night system down the line. And it's just exciting to see the the confidence in the production that he has had going on right now. So really happy for him. Knights have a, a, a busy schedule coming up. And, you know, the one thing, Mike, that I, I want to just quickly touch on and we taken away from is. The Knights have made a lot of moves acquiring, you know, players to fill out the current roster. We've talked about guys like like George Diaco and, you know, some of the other uh, forwards up front that have been brought in. Uh, but there's a player on the back end, Alec Leonard, who was a, was acquired earlier this season, who 
He's also done a really nice job kind of coming in, playing a really solid role. He's a good puck movie defenseman, and he got his first with the Knights this past weekend. He did, and Alec Leonard's trade maybe was overshadowed by George Diaco's acquisition because George Diaco was coming in as an OHL champion. He was coming home, playing in London. He'd played for the London Junior Knights. That was the first deal of that day. But later in the day, the Knights had sent Jared Keane, who'd been an excellent player for the Knights, to Niagara, and they got Alec Leonard in return. And Alec is a really steady defenseman, but he also has this sneaky ability. He reads the game really well, and that's what's going to have him fitting into the Knights system. You need to be able to read the game, and that's true of a lot of systems, but you really need to have an understanding of what's happening, where to be, when to go, when not to go into certain situations. And Alec has already shown that, yeah, he's got that. And he jumped up into a play on Saturday night. And when, uh, you know, one shot didn't go in, Luca Testa was at the side of the net and had a crack at it. There was Alec Leonard to find the loose puck when most defensemen wouldn't have been in the spot that he was. But he just knew, hey, I'm safe to jump right now. There's a big scrum. He finds the loose puck and he buries it. And so he's got that offensive instinct about him. And now... Alec Leonard goes to play his former team, and it came up pretty quickly on the schedule where he's up against the Niagara Ice Dogs, a lot of former teammates, a lot of former teammates that actually go back into minor hockey. And we had a chance to sit down with Alec and talk about all of the players that he grew up with, that he got to play with last year, and certainly what it's been like now to be a member of the London Knights. Very rarely. Do you get to play minor hockey with a bunch of guys and let alone see them in the OHL? You were on a team with, what were about four of you? Yeah, at least four. It was it was honestly a great experience, and uh, I'm still close with those guys. Uh, I mean, we had good chemistry on the ice, but, uh, yeah, no, it was definitely special last year uh, seeing having all those guys on my team. Did you ever look around and feel like you were... 14, 15 years old again? Yeah, no, it was uh, definitely. I was pretty comfortable there, and uh, we all were. And uh, we had a tight team there. But, yeah, it was definitely uh, made it a lot of fun having all those guys. Talk to us about coming to London because it's a change a lot of players will make during their OHL career. You wind up being traded. What is that like for a player to go through? Uh, Well, it was really exciting. I mean, logistically, like, it happened super quick. Like, uh, like got traded in the afternoon and, and by the next morning uh, I was practicing with with the Knights so it happened really quick but it was it was easy and, and it was my billets here and my billets in Niagara made it super easy and it was it was fun and exciting to be honest you arrive in London chances are there aren't four guys you played in minor hockey with are there any guys that you knew well at all um, not super well but there was definitely some guys who I'd skated with in either the summers or in spring hockey back in the day or, or knew um, not super well, but kind of. So, yeah, there's a few guys, but uh, but no, not not anyone I knew super well. What got you into hockey long, long time ago? Uh, just be, I think just being Canadian, my parents put me in it and tried it, and then uh, I tried a bunch of sports, and I just picked it as my favorite and just kept going from there, and then here I am. So what else did you play? Um, I played soccer and, and tennis and a bunch of other stuff. The only other sport I got I was kind of um, – competitive in was like track and I did that all the way up until I got drafted to the OHL and then uh, had to give it up but 
uh, those and mainly track, yeah, track and field. So sprinter distance? Uh, short, short distance sprinter. Yeah, like one hundred, like one hundred to four hundred. Yeah, short distance. When you look on the ice at, at what you're able to bring, you're a guy who can take care of your own end. You also have that ability to chip in offense. Where does that come from, and how do you figure out it's time to go or I can take a chance here? I think it's just natural, to be honest. That's kind of uh, the player I've always been. And um, like you said, I take pride in, in my own zone as a defenseman, and that comes first. But I definitely you know, like helping the team offensively and, and joining the rush and, and being uh, – being a guy who can be trusted in, in the ozone at, at any time to make plays so i guess it's just uh naturally the type of player i am finally you've got a game on the schedule pretty quick against some of those former teammates that we talked about how closely do you watch that coming and what do you think it's going to be like yeah no i'm i'm definitely aware of it and uh yeah i mean it'd be an exciting game to play and like i'm, I'm looking forward to it i'm a i'm gonna be uh super excited to play it and and bring everything to it like I do every game but I'm not going to treat any different than any other game come to every game ready to play ready to go and I'm going to do the same for that game good luck thanks Alec Leonard of the London Knights somebody to really get to know watch him when the Knights take on North Bay on Friday night and Sudbury on Saturday he's number 27 and he's somebody that again has that keen instinct about when to jump up and create things and the more comfortable he gets doing that the better off for the Knights. We are going to be talking North Bay Battalion and Sudbury Wolves later this week. And North Bay, Kyle, has this great London connection in that Adam Dennis is their general manager. And he has taken some time and really turned an organization that was not winning a lot into not just a team that can pick up wins, but a team that can be consistent. Right now they sit at five and three, but they have one of the best goals against records in the league. And this is a club that now is going to be good solidly year after year after year. So get ready for some Adam Dennis stories later this week on the podcast. And then we'll also set up a high powered Sudbury Wolves team. They have an awful lot of offense, but for whatever reason, Sudbury is having some troubles winning games, closing things out. They were up 3-0 on the Ottawa 67s. The 67s looked like they were headed for their first loss. Sudbury, as an organization, just seems to be able to do that. When the Knights were on that huge unbeaten streak to begin 2004-2005, unbeaten in 31 games, what organization won? The Sudbury Wolves. And of then course. they had the Ottawa 67s, who were 8-0 and coming into the game in Sudbury on Sunday. They had them down 3 nothing, And Ottawa came back and won 5-3. So Sudbury trying to figure out how to close things out. But the talent that they have up front is very, very good. 3-3 three and three for the London Knights. We will preview those games coming up. Well, that will do it. This uh, edition of Night Shift Episode 6 in the books. The London Knights coming off a very big weekend, and they will look to continue on with that momentum with a, a very busy week ahead. They start on the road in Niagara on Thursday, and then they are home Friday, Saturday against uh, North Bay and Sudbury. A three and three. That does it for the episode today. Follow us online on our socials at Stubbs980 and at Kyle Grimard. Stubbs with two Bs. Our episodes are being uploaded right now. You can find those with our friends over at 980 CFPL. Enjoy the next few days and we'll see you on Thursday.